Welcome back to the Power of the Hearts podcast, episode two. Hi, Coach Ray here, checking in for another solo episode as my interviews are coming together in their time. I have to start out today with my incredible thanks for the number of listeners that have been to episode one and the feedback to keep going. So I ask you in return to please continue to share it with people that you meet that are feeling the overwhelm or loneliness this project is geared to help heal. Today, you can also head to the show notes and sign up to receive emails from me when episodes release, or you can simply hit that subscribe button to know when these new episodes are here. I would also love to hear from you on the Power of the Hearts Instagram page or Facebook group, examples of the way you are using the power of your heart with your unique thoughts, words, or actions to care for your two homes. So shortly after the Vernal Equinox launch of this Power of the Hearts community project, I cracked open the book Zen and the Art of Saving the Planet, written by the venerable Vietnamese Buddhist monk and peace activist Thich Nhat Hanh himself and his students of the Plum Village community. And the book was really good. Written in a pretty casual language, easy to read. But for me personally, I actually found it heavy to digest and needed to take breaks. For example, I got to only page 46 and I had to reread these three sentences over and over before I decided, yep, okay, time for another break. Quote, many people suffer deeply, but don't even know they suffer. We try to cover up our suffering by being busy, not because we want to be busy, but to avoid touching the suffering. We need to do everything we can to realize that suffering is there and to learn ways to take care of it. I'm sure when you heard me just say it, you're like, yeah, true story. I'm human. And I felt, yeah, this is just another reason why we should take this time to love our homes of self in this planet each day. So we can uncover our suffering, acknowledge its presence, and learn ways to care for it. And side note, if you think you don't have any suffering, okay, that in itself is your suffering. So one of the first examples of this cover-up with busy that came to mind was a simple, brief, passing-in-the-hallway conversation of, hey, how are you? You know, maybe it's someone you have a good professional relationship with and haven't seen in a while. And even though it's actually a moment, you're on the inside, on the verge of tears and feeling torn up. And you should be really saying in response, actually, hey, thanks for asking how I'm doing today because I'm having a tough day. And you asking me is totally making me realize I should talk to someone. So thank you. Hey, have a great day. I was clearly meant to bump into you. Instead, what do we do? We give that quick Oh, good seeing you. Hey, look forward to hearing back on that email from last week. Hoping that just kind of continuing our busy and diverting from that swell inside will help us avoid those tears from actually spilling out of us and having to sort out what is inside and behind them. And these three simple sentences of a quote also got me thinking about how we have this kind of like autopilot when we hear that word suffering to think of things like my patients with obvious visual differences in their anatomy, or maybe people enduring the journey of an illness. 
and how today in this world of technology and especially with social media, we're seeing a larger percentage of people proclaim these sufferings, perhaps me included. And, uh, these individuals proclaiming their suffering are often also sharing how they acknowledged it, cared for it, and then they go on to offer a solution that perhaps that the care that helped them can also help others, which is, you know, a pretty standard path of how people evolve their careers and or vocations is through their own personal experiences. But I was thinking about how with social media increasing the percentage of people that find this kind of, quote, opportunity and adversity, if you will, that there's a lot of people not realizing that the offering of solution in itself can turn into the keeping busy to avoid really truly feeling the ongoing dynamic of suffering that people have themselves. You know what I mean? Because suffering is, it's not linear. And really, rarely it even ever has an endpoint. It's more of this sinusoidal flow. And things like age, environment, social changes over time can completely change the scope of someone's suffering, where what worked at one time does not any longer. And yet someone can be so busy and caught up and feeling like, the, yeah, I'm taking care of that suffering, that they don't even see how significant the picture has changed and that They themselves are now in another phase of avoidance, actually. And then as the quote states, there's also the people that embrace that wisdom of Dory from Finding Nemo to just keep swimming, swimming, swimming to a fault. Arguably, the number one suffrage of people among all of us today is stress. And how true is it that People don't even realize how stressed they are or that stress is even a suffrage they have in their life. People far from the verge of tears or a proclamation of suffering, yet perhaps suffering even more significantly than all because it is so deeply unconscious. Me, I I see it in the faces of parents scurried through important conversations with their children, trying to express deep feelings, but since mom or dad are running late to work at school for drop-off, they can't find that of full presence with their child's needs in that moment. I hear this kind of unaware stress in the voices of my patients bravely speaking about how their personal concerns with using a prosthesis are creeping up. Yet simultaneously, They are unwilling to ask their family for help as not to be a burden and totally not seeing the vicious cycle that the stress of their fears are going to snowball into far more of a burden to their family in the long run without that support now. And I, I feel it. I feel this stress and the brevity of hugs and eye to eye contact during conversation and I taste it myself in that second row of the chocolate bar that somehow is suddenly in my belly without me even being conscious of it. And then I'm craving more of that divine silky texture because now I'm in this loop of 
fueling my sugar cravings and brewing over my to-do lists and not even seeing until perhaps a meditation weeks later that the root of me having that disappearing chocolate was just really, I was in a stressed out mindset. And I smell this unawareness of deep suffering from stress when I'm on the highway, bumper to bumper with exhaust fumes building up and burnt rubber destruction of an accident that caused the backup. And my fellow drivers going from one text to another call while still behind the driver's seat, not even pausing to consider if a phone was the culprit of why they're sitting there in this moment to begin with. The suffrage of stress is it's insidious and vampant among all of us. Whether you want or are ready to acknowledge it, the fact that our climate change is where it is alone makes it clear how many people are not present with stresses in life. There's a quote on page 175 in the Zen book. Taking control and having the freedom to choose what we put in our mind, it's not easy. There are sophisticated algorithms and supercomputers stacked against us, explicitly designed to game our preferences and profit from gripping our attention. So part of our busy today to avoid our own suffering, intentionally or not, is a product of companies profiting our innate human vulnerabilities. Jeez. Have you seen The Social Dilemma on Netflix that came out in 2020? And if you have, I'm curious. After you watched it, did you start silencing notifications at certain times of the day or leaving your phone out of the bedroom or downloading an app to track how much time the rabbit hole sucks you in? Or were you like me? Did you think about the fact that it's not just social media, but every hover of your mouse's cursor on a word of an internet page in general, that's actually playing on your humanness to keep you busy from thinking about your own sufferings? Because that's how it works. Major companies are able to measure how long that mouse of yours hovers and algorithms along with teams of people are able to use that said hover time as part of their market research. So even if you feel you are maybe doing something right to stay off or barely scratch the surface of connection through social media itself, it's really the internet and any style pocket computer that is adding to these frequent micro cortisol spikes of modern life and therefore adding to the busy to avoid what's going on inside. And I'm sure it could be argued all sales and offers, whether that's at our physician's office or in our social media scroll or on the street, are playing on our human vulnerabilities in some way to ultimately cash out. But it's a very new normal for our beings to be presented with the frequency and inability to steer clear of and therefore opens the doors for more players making those sales and offers to be disingenuous in their belief that you're even an ideal customer that can be helped with what they have. It's interesting to me that it was seven years prior to that social dilemma of documentary even being released that a former Google employee put out a viral presentation called A Call to Minimize Distraction and Respect Users' Attention. This presentation, it was basically a framework for the documentary and identified the incredible ripple effect power software programmers have on the public today. The other book I mentioned in episode one, 
Together, The Healing Power of Human Connection in a Sometimes Lonely World, authored by the 19th Surgeon General of the United States, gives us a reminder that about 100, 150 years ago, when the population was half of what it is today on this planet, it took decades for basic telephones to become a residential standard, yet it only took about five-ish years for handheld computers to be on a person often 24-7, which has now become 85% of people in the global population. That is a lot of power and fast to those handheld computer programmers to even really understand their power. And also for us as users to even get a moment to digest what is really happening. And this presentation that led to the documentary gave an example of the impact these programmers have, referencing a 2010 report that 28% of motor vehicle accidents at that time involved talking or texting on cell phones. I mean, whew, it even took me hearing stats like that, reading the illuminated reminders on the road, and meeting a second patient that lost their leg from someone else texting and causing an accident to improve my control with my phone while driving. So this presentation, written by a programmer leader to his colleagues, asked questions like, all right, so what if we as programmers design products to help users forecast the consequences of certain actions? Meaning, you know, instead of sending a quick email or a notification, hey, do you want to see this photo your friend posted of you? Instead, to be straight up and say, hey, do you have 20 minutes to space out and connect with people virtually and look at every single notification we've decided we think you want to know? This presentation also asked questions like, what if we as programmers could minimize stress and create calmer state of mind for people by simply designing software to be equally fast and efficient, but also give the user a time to pause and consider? And so we see the result of this presentation, not just in the documentary seven years later, but in these features like silencing notifications and in the news, the Federal Trade Commission questioning the power of these major players in these handheld computers. But even with all this progress, we certainly still have these devices sucking us in. I mean, we even have a new word in the dictionary of people snubbing a human in favor of a phone, fubbing. For example, the book Together shares how studies show partners who fub report more fights, less relationship satisfaction, which let's not forget, we are then modeling that behavior to our next generation, a generation that doesn't even recognize an image of a rotary dial phone or TV antenna, and therefore has no comprehension of how weird fubbing may seem to some of the elders in our population. So this busy to avoid our suffering, something that is, it's human nature and certainly how people have behaved and acted even since before technology, it almost seems impossible to overcome if we want to be a contributing member of society because now the standard is to be technologically savvy in some way, right? Didn't the pandemic alone not prove it's a necessity to survive? As you reflect on the questions I asked today, I will end today's episode, as I always will, with another daily intention of the heart, a simple example of how you can serve 
your two homes of self and earth, for the intention of love for your being, make a plan the next time you are spending in-person time with at least one other person, reach out to your family, let them know, hey, I am going to be okay, but I am not going to be near my phone for the next 10 minutes, hour, or maybe even few hours. Whatever it is you can do, it matters. Every little bit matters. Take that break, flip on that airplane mode. And for the intention of love for this earth, take your phone and create an album or ask someone to help you create it and label it Home Earth. And I want you to fill that album on your phone with a few pictures from your role or take some new of whatever photos make you feel the power of your heart to contribute to the future of this planet's prosperity. And when you have that urge to check that inbox or notification, maybe you find it inside you to take that pause instead and you can use that album to help you take that pause and flipping through that in lieu of that notification update will help you. If you notice, both of these examples of action today fuel you being able to contribute to your two homes more than just one spin of this earth on its axis, but many. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I look forward to see your examples of how you are using the power of your heart to love your two homes each and every day.